Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. Check us out, man. We here at Radio Row Super Bowl 57. We're getting great things done. We got some short episodes, so we're going to give y'all some two-for-ones. Y'all make sure y'all lock in for the whole episode with Catch the Moment Podcast. But we're here at Catch the Moment Podcast, Radio Row Edition. Um, excited to host a new friend of mine, Eric Kramer. Eric, how we doing, buddy? Couldn't be better. Love being here. Love being in this atmosphere. Didn't get to play in one of these, but... <laughs> <laughs> Being in this ballroom like we are is pretty exciting. It's fun to just go around, talk about football life, and great to be here with you. Man, I, I'm so excited to have you. So just as a routine or tradition here on Catch the Moment Podcast, we always like to ask our guests, where were you when you saw the helmet catch? What were your thoughts? Like I said, you're, you're an NFL alumni. I remember watching you mm-hmm. um, throughout your career. So, yeah, give, give us if you, if you have any, you know, any story or, or what your memory was when you first saw the helmet catch. So I was, I was sitting on the floor at a friend's house, thinking this was why are we even watching this because it's going to be 50 to nothing (laughs) in the opposite direction of what actually did happen (laughs) and you know i see a guy that probably should have been sacked two or three times on a play throw up a pass to somebody i've never heard of who the damn thing sticks to the side of his helmet while one of the best safeties who was a former teammate of mine rodney harrison with the chargers can't wrestle it away from you (laughs) and then all of a sudden, there's a there's a, a final gun go off, and the other team won. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck just happened here? The and I think team. that was probably, you know, that speaks to kind of life for me. Yeah. In that, so many times, it's not what you think's going to happen. Yeah. It's what happens, and then you deal with what happens. Man, that's so good, bro. Oh, listen, I mean, like, so that was pretty neat. So honest because. Everybody know we ha- we didn't have a chance, right? And um, I want to kind of, tw- you know, flip the script here and obviously talk about you, you know, so- and some of your journey, right? So, I mean, your career, I don't know exactly how many years you played, but I remember you playing for the Lions. Tell me, what was your moment, you know, throughout your career that you identified with that you felt like was your, your, your moment on the mountain where you were satisfied uh, and, you know, just kind of like, yeah, this, this, is, this is what it's all about. So... That 91 season, uh, when I was in Chicago, I'm sorry, when I was in Detroit, um, you know, I went from a guy that my previous stops were undrafted free agent to New Orleans, back in school, probably going to coach, and the strike happens in 87. Wow. I I go play for Atlanta three games. They keep me afterward, so that was a little icy. Ooh. But fun at the same time. Okay. And then the next year I get cut, I wait around to get called by someone else. That doesn't happen. The one person who in college, after I was done playing, worked me out was Larry Kuharik, okay. the head coach of the of Calgary Stampeders. Wow. So I went up playing for Calgary for a year and a half. Didn't have a contract to go back to. Didn't want to go back. And <laughs> called around every NFL team, and the Lions were the only team that called me back. Wow. And there were only, I think, 28 teams at that time. And, uh, and I found out, talking to him later, that June Jones had done some research on studying quarterbacks Jeez. and all the way back to the scout days, or strike days. And so uh, I went from that guy to uh, 
starting in 91. Yeah. Because Rodney P. had gotten hurt. I think he tore his Achilles. And that was another thing that Rodney, he didn't have to, but he did. Mm. Travel with the team to wow. games. And uh, once he got out of the hospital, once he started, he was on crutches. Uh, but he went and, um, and helped me a lot. Man, that's and, awesome. And so when you asked me about what that time was, we went, I went from that guy to call his way into the Detroit Lions Sheesh. to playing in a playoff game. We went 12-4, and four and we won the division. We had to beat uh, Buffalo in the last game of the season. It was in Buffalo, of course. Yeah. And I remember a TV timeout. It's near the end of the game, and, and there's a TV time, and we're in the end zone, in the huddle, and just getting pelted by these battery-wrapped <laughs> snowballs. And uh, we won that game, and then— Did we, you just say battery-wrapped snowball? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, this is a totally different era of the we're, NFL. We're like, hey, keep your helmets on right now. <laughs> Savages. And so. and so, you know, we, we won the division. We got a bye. Then we played Dallas, and that was the moment. Mm. So, it was a great team win. Yep. Um, but we beat them about every which way you could. Man. Defensively, offensively, special teams, interceptions. I had a good day passing the ball. Nice. Barry had probably one of the top 1,000 runs he's had of his career that day. And it's just, a, it added up where it felt to me like I now belong. That's amazing. You know, thanks for sharing that because um, I got chills because, like I said, that was my era of being a kid watching the NFL. So, you know, of course, Lions, thank, you know, Thanksgiving Day, Barry Sanders, to me, he's he's my greatest running back of all time. Mine too. Uh, I, just, I, I wasn't making no assumptions, you know, but I was like, I'm assuming. Right, right. right. Oh, yeah. If you're, that pause you were waiting for, I, I tried to fill it. Yeah, man, please do because, you know, it was, it was just, he was just such a different kind of special talent, um, unseen, and I still, I still personally believe pretty much unmatched but um, I'm with you on that it's too. just amazing so let's talk right because even in your journey it defines the, the overcomer that you've become mm. and so um, transition is always such a, a, a unique reality for the NFL player and even in your area it wasn't all these robust resources even when I retired in 2010 there was resources available man so talk to me about what that journey was like transitioning out and you know what the identity struggle like and how, you know, just kind of, I know you got a powerful, powerful story. Let's get into it. 99 was my last year and that, that I, I had to retire because of an injury, a neck injury. Gotcha. And it was actually. So not on your own terms. No, no. It was actually a doctor came in the room and said, you're, you're, you're done. And Because that was the second one. And it was two herniated discs on top of two other previous ones. And just like that. You're yeah. yeah. Uh, at first, I kind of started to tear up and I'm like, what am I going to do now? And, and I thought. Well, first, it was somewhat physically of a relief. But then wow. I thought, okay, now what? Mm. And so the now what was it took about a year physically to kind of get my body back repaired again. Sure. And so there was a great down there function first, and it was basically posture realignment. That's what it was. Wow. And it had nothing to do with my neck. It was everything below it. Wow. <laughs> and so yeah. eventually. And there was no sports science. It's like, you know, we just figuring stuff out here. <laughs> well, well, eventually I did have a neck injury. I mean, a neck surgery, which gotcha. cleared it all up. Um, but um, anyway, I went from doing nothing to doing uh, coaching my kids, youth football teams. Nice. Uh, actually, it was only one at that time. It was Griffin. And then I started a little passing camp with a, a former teammate, Brian um, Wetnight, who's now passed away. 
Uh, and, and so this passing camp eventually just became me. And so uh, there was, uh, I would basically treat it like a practice. It was high school kids. Wow. And so uh, we'd have a meeting before in a classroom and uh, be on the field later. And uh, we'd film it. And, yeah. and so apparently there was a guy uh, from Fox that was in the classroom that day. And so I get a phone call, like, would I like to come down and do an audition? I'm like, for what? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, to talk in front of a camera. So I was like, all right. And so I go down there, and it's like a setup, like a green screen thing. Yeah. And I was horrible. <laughs> and, it's, and what I realized is it's not what you know, it's what you can convey in X amount of time. Ooh, get man. Get in, get out. And so, so good. eventually, I did a couple of college football games, and then... Um, I was doing stuff in the studio, like breaking down before and after games, and sure. then eventually doing games. Gotcha. And um, uh, so did you enjoy? It? I did. I did very much. And uh, I, I would go. I would like fly somewhere like East Coast on a. I would actually coach a football game on was, a Saturday morning. Yeah. I'd get on an airplane. I'd go fly to do a game. Come back, uh, and. Get the week started. He was, he was getting it in. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. He it was, was it in. was a lot of fun. And so, you know, the unfortunate part of all this is that uh, life happens. And yeah, so, what did happen was Griffin, my son that you mentioned, um, around his well, in the middle of his tenth grade year, actually, it was in the fall of his tenth grade year, he went into a drug treatment program, Man. and, and uh, it was called Visions. And uh, so, it was ninety days in that then he transferred to an outpatient program and we were involved sure. as parents and uh eventually it turned into an outpatient program and i felt like okay all is good here because i would go to the meetings that you know, every wednesday night there was parents could show up if they chose sure. and it was kind of a forum of being led by the by one of the counselors and then all the kids and when i say all there might have been Sure. And parents who wanted to come. And so these are very insightful people. Sure. These these kids that were all roughly my son's age. Yep. And then um, the unfortunate part, that was about a year long, is it went from, Dad, thank God you guys got me here. Otherwise, I would have been dead or in jail. Yeah. Towards the end, it was, oh, that was being brainwashed. Oh, man. And so... So how, how, how did... I mean, like, so obviously... Only got you for for so long. You, yeah. got so, you got such an amazing schedule. How was that navigating as a father? I'm a father of seven of seven kids, mm -hmm. oldest 21, youngest nine. And um, tell me, what what was that true breaking point? Um, I know it's been some some tough tragedy that mm -hmm. you had to endure. Um, share, you know, just share with us kind of what was that turning point for you with your son and even yourself. I don't know what the turning point was, but eventually Griffin did return mm -hmm. to drugs, and not for long. It didn't take long. And he died of an overdose. And it was uh, October 30th, 2011. Man, so sad. And, and uh, that was the saddest day of my life. Nothing even, there's not even a close second. And then um, kind of a blur happened during that time. And I got out of broadcasting, uh, got out of coaching youth football, because by then Dylan was done too, and um, kind of didn't have anything to do. And then my mom, she was going through some cancer treatment. Sure. And eventually in J 
July of the next year, she passed away. And around that same time that she passed away, my dad started a downward plunge, uh, cancer-wise. It rains the pores. And, and so, right, that's a, that was a lot to handle, which I, apparently I didn't very well. And, um, you know, I got around to planning my own exit. Jeez. And so I did. I did everything I could to execute a game plan. Man. And what you've fortunately, done. I failed. Fortunately. I'm so fortunate that you failed. Mm. You know, um, like I said, we all have these moments that, that bring us to breaking points. And um, if we don't have hope, then, then we, That's right. we're looking for escape, right? That's right. Tell me more about what your hope is today. Your story is so impactful and powerful. Yeah. And, you know, what your hope is and what you not just learned from the experience, what you've endured and overcome through the experience. Well, I, I've put what's happened. Someone's helped me put what happened into a book. Excellent. And it's called The Ultimate Comeback. And it's a man named Bill Croyle who actually approached my girlfriend because. <laughs> Whoa, hold up, Bill. <laughs> because he read an article written by a guy named Dan Wetzel who okay. writes for Yahoo Sports. And Anna was quoted in there on several occasions. So he reached out to her asking would I be interested in collaborating on a book? And I didn't know Bill Croyle from yep. Bill whoever. And so we got to know each other over the phone because he doesn't, he lives back in Kentucky, like near the Cincinnati border. And uh, what, a, what a nice, gentle guy he is yeah. and just an intuitive person who kind of has written this book in my voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, it's been a, a great, uh, journey through that, and I think this book's going to come out. We haven't pinpointed a date or anything, but probably sometime in late fall. So we get a chance to look for the ultimate comeback. The ultimate Expect comeback. it on all, you know, Amazon, all pla yeah, yeah. platforms. Yep. Eric, your story is impactful. I look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you for sharing so much time with our audience. We catch the moment. David, thank you. Appreciate you, brother. Catch the moment podcast, Super Bowl Fifty Seven, Radio Row Edition. Good times, good vibes. We are back in the desert. And I'm here with the, with, with the guy, Andrew, is it Sendejo? Sendejo. Sendejo. Because, you know, that, that's, that J will mess you up, that silent J. It, it will absolutely mess you up. <laughs> it still messes me up, and it's been my name for 35 years. Bro, so we was just in there chatting. It's been 12 years in your career. You got that inescapable 10-year mark, even got the dozen with it, man. So um, before I get uh, too much into your career... Tell me real quick, take me down, I'm going to take you down memory lane. Where were you when you first saw the helmet catch? Any thoughts, any stories, you know, from, from, from getting that visual? Man, uh, I don't remember exactly where I was at, but obviously, like, any time a crazy play like that, it's just, like, it's just, you know, and you see it all the time. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a famous moment in, in, in history. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. So, um. But 12 years, you played for, for a bunch of clubs. Um, I remember you the most from when you were at the Eagles. And so, you know, so that means I didn't like you for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. But, but you were clearly um, a high-caliber player. Um, tell me throughout, now I'm going to flip the side and tell me what has been your most impactful moment in your career up to this day. You know, I spent most of my time in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, I was there for nine years, um, you know, Made a lot of good memories, a lot of good uh, teammates, a lot of good friends, stories, all the kind of all the things that you want to get out of a long career. Yeah. I feel like I got a lot of those in Minnesota. So that place is, is special to me. Yeah. Um, 
you know, as an undrafted guy, you kind of bounce around your first year and a half so you get picked up somewhere and you find a home. And then as you get older, you kind of bounce around again, you know, like yeah. especially a guy like, like myself. So, um, you know, I, th I think, um, you know, one thing that I, I'm really proud of, it's not even like a personal accolade, is that I was in, in 2017 just being a starter on the number one defense in the league and we set the – NFL record for third down conversion percentage like ever in the history of the NFL. So yeah, talk about uh, it. Yeah, so because because I, I, I could tell I could tell you on the humble route right now, bro. You yeah. played you played big ball. I remember some of those Minnesota defenses, and y'all 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 had some dogs, you know, and and that was still Daniel Hunter and, yeah, yeah. and Harrison back there yeah. with you. Yeah. So what has been what, what would you say is your signature moment performance game? year season where you was like i'm here i think uh, that year was yep. everybody was that's why we had the number one defense because no everyone was playing good ball and obviously when everyone when those guys are playing good and doing their job it makes your job easier no and then everyone plays well so uh being surrounded by good good uh players good teammates and then and honestly like your coaches you know that, that's a big part of it your coaches if they put in the work too during the week to have a good game plan to call a good game they put you in the best position to make the make plays that's a big part of it too if you got a coach that calls a bad game and puts you in some bad <laughs> spots like you're the one that's gonna look bad on tape and, and, and during a game so um yeah man that, that, i would say the 2017 year in minnesota was probably some of my is where a lot of my highlights are at i, I would love say. it i love it so like i said you talked about being an undrafted guy i came in the league as a special teams player and that was really my career of course you you always aspire to do more you always aspire to break those boxes um, tell me what it was, how did you find your niche um, as a competitor and eventually arriving to the point? What was it that kind of allowed you to latch on into the NFL and build a double-digit career? Yeah, I think it was it was because I was a special teamer my first half of my career. And then, you know, you can only play so long as a special teamer unless you're just a perennial pro bowler, you know. And True. so as... I got to that year six mark, you know, kind of, I had a little like special teams contract extension and that was starting to end. Then I made my way onto the starting uh, role for defense. So I had nice. the opportunity to, to start and played well enough to keep that job. And so then that kind of uh, gave me a, a couple extra years, you know, and then, <laughs> and then after I got out of Minnesota, I was in, you know, year 11. So then I, I went to Cleveland in year 11, went to Indy in year 12, and yep. at that point, you provide a lot of value because you yeah. can play special teams, you can play defense, you obviously know the game, you're a vet, you're a leader, and I was cheap for the, the <laughs> team, you know? I wouldn't like, a, I didn't price myself out. So there's a no lot doubt. of things that go into go into playing 12 years. It's not all, you know, it's not just me. It was a lot of factors that went into it. But I was, as an undrafted guy, I was just always thankful to be on a team at all you know i always say that there's no complaining in the nfl right no yeah. complaining no matter what uh i just wanted to play as long as i could i when i got to year 10 i was happy you know yeah. i was like i got double digits and i was like anything after this is bonus and then i got another <laughs> bonus year and another bonus year so after my 12th year i was like man i've, I've had a long run i'm not too banged up you know i've had quite a few surgeries and concussions and stuff but i'm still somewhat holding it together so yeah. you know uh it's been it's been good you talked about you know obviously taking that next step and then um that pivot is the big word i know we all like to use um tell me a little bit about brain tree nutrition and you mentioned it the concussions is always a hot topic conversation i know we we sign up for a gladiator sport right so right. we kind of know what we're doing 
But um, there's a lot more information in this era of sport and football. And obviously it looks like you guys are, you know, are, are providing at least some, some measure of a health and wellness um, component to, 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 to minister to the brain. So right. talk about it. Yeah, so I uh, founded Braintree Nutrition alongside with two college teammates. Uh, one also played in the NFL for a while and in consultation with neurologists who happens to be his mom. And his whole, family is, his whole family is doctors, so the access they have to all these studies uh, about the brain, supplements, uh, different ingredients, extracts, we use them to help formulate in the correct ratios a line of products that, to help enhance and preserve and protect the brain. So yeah. we have a, a line of four products. Our flagship product is called Think and it is for memory and focus and anti-inflammation of the brain. So that's kind of like our everyday, especially a football contact athlete, uh, to help recover from concussions. And then also, because the NFL has a lot of strict rules on prescription medications for ADD, ADHD, uh, we wanted to have a product that guys could take that was had no banned substances that would help with memory yeah, and focus. This is a big one right there because yeah. I'm going to tell you what, so many guys are caught in a catch-22 with the meds versus what they're experiencing with the ADHD. I've, I, I know all about the TUEs, and I, yes. I was in that role so in that front was, office. And that, and that personally happened to me. I, I went to go get my TUE. Yeah. I go meet with the, you know, every team is assigned one doctor to help you with that, right? Yep. And so I go there, and they said, you know, if you were just a guy off the street, I could prescribe this for you, but per the NFL, you don't have a long enough history. The NFL is not going to allow it. And I'm like, so you're telling me I have this, but you can't give me medicine? She said, no. And I was like, all right. F that. So then I made that's how I started. We started making this, right? Yeah. Um, and then we just wanted to basically handle kind of these four facets that of brain health. So uh, the probiotic, which all the numerous studies out there about gut health being linked to degenerative brain disease, and then stress and anxiety relief. Uh, because after a game, you know, you need to take the edge off during the season, whatever it is, yeah. right? Trying to get people off prescription medications like a Xanax or whatever, taking more naturally occurring ingredients. And then we have our sleep aid because sleep is the the foundation of health, wellness, brain health, mental health. Yes. They all work together synergistically. Um, to have your brain functioning at the highest level it can. It's all filled with a lot of extracts, naturally occurring ingredients that are backed by clinical studies on humans, proven Stupid effective. Uh, we, we donate a portion of our proceeds to Alzheimer's research. And Y'all yeah, hit it on every angle. Yeah, so we, I mean, we made it to, to help, to help us, to help others. Um, and so, yeah, you can find us at BraintreeNutrition.com. Uh, you can find us out. on all the socials at Braintree Nutrition. And a lot of people uh, find us on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Just add it to your cart with the rest of the stuff. But okay. if you go to the website, we do have a nice 25% off code it's at the top of the screen so just go check it out and uh, yeah man help yourself help family i give it to my mom she's getting old yeah. now she's got brain fog she's yeah you know so it's we're it's dealing really, with some stuff with our minds yeah, yeah i'm gonna pivot back man because like i said this this is something that helps in real life i have a saying you know be well do well right at the end of the day you know like when you are well then you can compete well right and i think that's how it is in life when you when you kind of get grounded in life and obviously brain is the command center but what were some of the pivotal moments that cultivated the character for you to kind of navigate um your way and what are the things that you're passionate about um away from the game of football you know for me my my foundation of football I went to a high school that was like your typical Friday Night Lights high school. Say what? Out in the country, 
Uh, you know, I, I literally, like, the movie Friday Night Lights came out, and I was, like, already living Friday Night Lights. Like, when I went and watched the movie, I was like, I'm, I'm already doing this right now. Like, this is literally, like, uh, you know, tons of people at the game. When we were in middle school, we looked up to the varsity guys like they were rock stars. We wanted to be them. We, That's like, so crazy. Yeah. And so that really, my, my coaches there, they were all old school, military, hard-ass coaches, right? And so that really kind of a step. I mean, clean shaven, couldn't have the wristbands on, very straight edge, ran a tight ship. And that was kind of my, that shaped a lot of my mentality, personality, yep. my, my football kind of foundation. Uh, I went to Rice because I thought I was going to be an engineer and oh, they have snap. a great engineering degree, right? Okay. So yeah, a little my, vision for my, you. My calcu- <laughs> yeah, I never, I was a two-star recruit out of high school. I didn't, the NFL was not even on my radar. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I just need to get a scholarship so I don't have to pay for college because I cannot Real afford college. Yeah, that was my, goal. my calculus teacher said, if you get an engineering degree from Rice, like you are set. So I said, sure, go to Rice. All the upperclassmen said, uh, you're not going to have time to do that. You yeah. might as well just pivot, go into – so they say it's all about just everyone who you meet, whatever. So I ended up changing my major, but went to Rice, started getting some looks once I got older, uh, and you know, junior, senior, and started kind of – I was like, okay, maybe this is a, an option. Um, but I think, you know, being undrafted was always – uh, you know, always kind of had that chip on your shoulder. You're always knew that, yeah. you know, not to take it for granted that you were in, in the league, not being a high draft pick and just kind of earning your way every year. And uh, a lot of that mentality, yeah, I think it started way back in the day. And then um, just yeah. being undrafted kind of transitioned into that. And I think just, you know, outside of football, passion would be, you know, helping others. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why we started this. It originally started to, to, like, we needed something for us and then for our teammates and then, you know, my mom's complaining about, you know, brain uh, fog and memory and all this stuff. And we we're like, man, we could help so many people. And like you said, like, be well, how, what you're saying? Be, I say be, be well, well, do well. Right. You got to, yeah. you got to have to, you have to be well in order to help others too. Absolutely. If you, you're, you know, if you're not doing well, you, you don't have an opportunity to even try to help other people. Uh, and so that's what we're trying to, we, that's how it's kind of started, helping ourselves so we can help others. Wife, kids? No wife, no kids. Man, I got no a girlfriend. you played no. 12 years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You ain't have too many demands on your shoulders, kid. I, I think that's probably why, because I was too busy studying tape all the time. I got just, you. I, I didn't let, that was, I was just, no I didn't let anything get in my way. So I, tell me about it, because this is the part where sometimes people may miss, and it's not like a, a regret kind of conversation. Yeah. Talk about that kind of that that mindset and that focus and what it took for you to excel at that level. I think it was a lot of because I wasn't drafted and I knew I wasn't guaranteed like some crazy big contract or, and I had to really like grind it out. And for me, you know, I wasn't the most athletic guy. I had to study a I'm lot with of you, tape. Bro. I had to study a lot of tape and had to in order to even have a chance to play well. So I just and I knew the NFL was such a short career, and even for uh, especially an undrafted guy. So my mindset was always I don't I don't care what it is. I'm not letting anything or anybody get in my way, um, whether it's you know family, girl, parties, friends, <laughs> like. Uh, you know, just whatever it was, it was like my main focus. And so that's also now that I, you know, I've been, this last season was my first season being done. So sure. I've had a lot of free time to do all those things that I couldn't do before. Right. Like you got, like I said, you got to help yourself or you can help others. So there now I can spend more time with my family, spend time on the business, enjoy some free time, just do a lot of things that I couldn't do before. Gotcha. So obviously we got Braintree going on, serving in the 
family. What is your biggest goal? Like, you know, like now from a standpoint, I think I saw, I know Shannon Sharp's a big deal and everything with his platform, but he talked about how um, he never got married. And like, it's almost like not a, I don't want to break, I don't like the perception of regret, but he talked about having all the success and not having someone to share it with, not having people to share it with. Like I said, you're, you're far younger, you know, is, what does is meaning and purpose continue to look like for Andrew Sandejo? Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I, I, for me, I knew I personally put so much time into football in my career that I, you know, I wouldn't have even been a good husband, <laughs> father. I, like, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have, you know, I would have changed and I would have been able to handle all that, right? Sure, but I think sure, sure. Just, um, no, that's, a, that's an honest evaluation of yourself and what your goals are, right? That's right. not a bad decision. Yeah, and um, no regrets about it. Uh, I don't know what my life would have been like if I would have done some of those other other things. So don't worry. It's, it's, Uncle it's, Shay, like 50-something years old yeah, now. So yeah. now, you know, he, he ain't got, you know, he ain't got no wifey over there, number one media personality. That's not your, that's not your story. Um, but obviously, in, in relation to, because I appreciate that kind of focus. Like, I remember I've always had a son and we had a kid in college. So it was like, you know, that changed my world. That actually gave me the motivation to right. consider that's the how, NFL. That's what I was saying. I feel like you, I would have changed into like now my focus is not about me. It's about the, the kid, you know, yeah. like trying to, you know, whatever it is, provide them a better life or like try to, you know, what, you know, whatever your goals are. Nah, bro. Yeah. I, like I said, this kind of last, last chapter. I got one more question before that, though. Who is your favorite player to watch or emulate. I'm actually a big fan of safeties. My favorite players were Ed Reed yeah. and um and whatchamacallit, Brian Dawkins. That's my top two favorite players. Who are your favorite players to emulate and model your game after? Yeah, I think uh, a little bit of like recklessness of like Paul Malu like jumping over people. Uh, I think the the physicality of like a Dawkins or someone that would just like come downhill. Um, <laughs> and then I think I always appreciated like Ed Reed going in and blocking punts like on special teams, on, you know, bro. like like I just that's why he's my and number that was, one. And that was like you know me. I'm like all right, like I mean even in my 11th year I was starting on defense and playing two phases of special teams. Oh, like gosh. so I like especially they was, was spinning out. You, your, your GPS system was about. Oh there. my god! I think I had the I was the oldest guy on the team. I had the most miles on the team too. I was like yo, this is I'm the, like the least athletic guy on the team too. Besides the kickers, like this is not adding up. But oh, I was you know I was a special team or so I was you know that was like yeah that was my thing I did not mind being on special teams and then it it helped you know you're the oldest guy on the team you're a starter and then you're also playing on two phases and let the other guys know that we're younger that we're special teamers like well shoot if he can do it yeah like this this is like your full-time job as a special teamer like this (laughs) old white safety shouldn't be doing it harder and faster and better than you so it was just a good example for the younger guys too Bro, you, you set you set the tempo, you set the pace. Congratulations, obviously, on an amazing career. Make sure y'all check out Brain Tree Nutrition. You can even throw it in your Amazon Prime bucket, dog. I mean, throw it like in the Amazon me. Prime, whatever you whatever you're getting, you know. Just <laughs> boom, put it in there. Boom, boom. Appreciate you for stepping through, friend. Yeah, we'll catch you. Yep.